0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat. The podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This is your reminder that we are on a little break, but we'll be back in your feeds with new episodes soon. And in the meantime, we have lots of friends to introduce you to. Today's episode is brought to you by Fat So, a podcast that discusses being fat, the pain, the joy, the learning, the dark humor, and the silver linings. Make sure to follow at Fat So Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Here we go. Content note. She's All Fat is a podcast for chill vibes only, but some things in the fat experience are decidedly not chill. This episode of Fat, So, covers some of that not chill stuff in this episode about relationships and fatness. Just wanted to give you a quick vibe check before you listen. You're listening to Fat, So, supported by Suno India. Before we begin, just a quick disclaimer, you might encounter strong language. Whoopsie! We also want to be clear that the things we say are our opinions and in should no way be taken as medical, health or dietary advice. We also are aware that we have certain privileged experiences and therefore we are not able to be representative and we don't even aim to be representative of all the things that people have lived and felt that we have not.
0: I'm fat, and I used to be embarrassed around other fat people when I was younger. So?
1: I'm fat, and I think that I deserve a great love. So?
0: I'm fat, and I like to be wooed and serenaded and all the bells and whistles of romantic love. PDA as well. So?
1: Sadly, this is true, guys. I'm fat and sometimes I think that I'm better than thin people. So,
0: I'm fat and I'm still scared that I may not be cool enough for my thin friends, despite the evidence. Huh? So,
1: who are these thin friends? <laughs> oh, we <laughs> <You> will <laughs> meet them. <laughs> um, I'm fat uh, and I'm also. Not very nice a lot of the time. So, Um, no
0: comments? (laughs) Welcome to Fat So, the podcast where we talk about the joys and sorrows of being fat women in India, heavy on the joy.
1: I'm Pallavi. And I'm Amiya. And today is the last episode of the season. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if I'm happy or I'm sad or what, but... It is the last episode, episode 10 of our first season. Don't worry, there will be season 2. You'll find out more about that. Appropriately, uh, we're talking about relationships. You know, like this lovely one I now have with Pallavi because of this Mm. podcast. So first off, let's take a second to look at the word relationship. Because you know, when people say relationship, you're like, oh... It's a normally heterosexual, maybe not heterosexual, but it's definitely a romantic sexual love space, right? Like if you're seeing a guy, quote unquote, casually, you can't call it a relationship. When you have a friend and you refer to them as my rela- our relationship, people get a bit mm-hmm. twitchy. It's true that many people are okay with this and they understand that. But generally speaking, the assumption often tends to be that it's a romantic sexual relationship of some kind, when you say the word relationship. And that it's the most important one in someone's life. And that's really the only way you can use the word relationship. Shockingly, I don't agree. Thank God, that would be a damn bore, man. So to me, there are all kinds of relationships, right? I mean, there's parental relationships, there's friend relationships, there's sibling relationships, there's relationships with your colleagues. And these are all relationships. Like you can have a relationship with your doctor, a relationship with the people who help in your house. Um, So we need to think about relationships more holistically because one of the other problems is that we tend to put all the pressure of what a relationship is supposed to give you, or fulfillment or satisfaction or support or or love, or cherishing, cherishment, cherishage, um, being cherished, uh, all of that tends to be put only on your romantic sexual relationship as a result, right? And there are so many other relationships that impact you, who you are, how you are, um, how you deal with stuff, how you engage with the world, how you're able to become who you are or do what you want to do or not, There are things that circumscribe you heavily as well. And sometimes we forget that we need to look at them also when Mm -hmm. you think of relationships, right? So, basically, relationships are important and all relationships are hard work. People always tell me that, oh, you know, you have such a great relationship with your parents. You're so lucky. I'm like, bitch, please. That's 15 years of hard work. True. I did not have a great relationship with my parents when I was 20. I mean, we didn't have like a horrible one, but I wasn't close to them. I wouldn't think of them as friends. I wouldn't say that, hey, I totally want to move back in with my parents because we can like hang out and shoot the shit. No, 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 no. But it took a lot of work on, you know, on their part as well. Some work was done. So here we are.
0: (laughs) You should see her face when she admits to that.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so the question we're trying to look at here today is how does being fat intersect with having relationships
0: with different people? Well, for me, I use relationships even with money and with, uh, you know, other non-animate stuff. So to me, relationship is anything that you are interacting with. And we interact with people a lot. And it's really (laughs) important. And it is such a challenge as a fat person because you see, As I say so often, our stuff is just hanging all out there for everybody to see, and you cannot hide it. And the thing about it, it is judged because there are these stereotypes in society where fat is seen as lazy, fat is seen as just something wrong about you, fat is seen as you're having unhealthy habits. And even worse is the fact that people will say, well, you know, it's in, you're in charge. You know, you could do this, this, this and this and you would lose weight, not understanding the completely different world that we're in, you know. And so it is so challenging when you meet a new person, because already you have this thing inside you that perhaps they will judge me, perhaps they will not, but perhaps they will judge me. And I mean, imagine that in an interview situation or meeting a client or you know, meeting a romantic uh, something, uh, being on a date or something like I love, that.
1: I love that it's 2020 and you can only say, most appropriate way to describe all our romantic lives or our dating lives is to say, on a romantic uh, something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I just slipped up on my words. But anyways, whatever connotation you've taken out of it. Cool. But, you know, imagine that. Look at the stress of it. Apart from every other stress that we have as normal people, look at the stress of it, you know. And I've actually done things like uh, earlier, I used to actually tell people that, you know, um, I used to have the conversation as a way of literally, I would say, let's get the elephant out of the room, which is a horrible thing to say, because I'm self deprecating, right at the beginning, but it used to be so important for me to have the conversation. Because that was my security, you know. So how much do I invest in this person? Because if they express fat phobia, because people actually say hate, you know, in terms of I hate fat people. So if they express that sort of fat phobia, meera to koi okay No, the
1: funny thing is that sometimes people will say that, and you're like, uh, excuse me, I'll raise your hand, and like, no, I'm not talking about you. Yes, which but... I do with men. So I guess I should be quiet now. <laughs> Yes, but the whole point is that
0: this is just such a buzzkill, you see, when it comes to relating to other people. There's no getting around this. So, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I think that it's also hard for other people to relate to us. True. And uh, again, I would like to restate that it is not the job of the oppressed to educate the oppressors. <laughs> uh, and yes, I know that's slightly extreme way to articulate it, but it still feels like oppression right to a lot of us yeah. so I mean it's 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 borderline sometimes eh? so the thing is they also only know stereotypes they have no other they don't know our experiences and we're too ashamed and too scared and too withdrawn and self hating to tell them and when we do talk about ourselves we always make the jokes like mm. for me it was always I'll make the joke before you do Yeah, and you know I used to say that and then people would think oh she's cool with me making jokes and then they'd make jokes about being fat and then I'd be like Oh my, if you were my real friend, you would know that it hurts me. So you won't make jokes. But then what is this person supposed to take away from my behavior? And then later I let go of that. But now I've returned to that place where that if you, if you love somebody, you would not joke about the things that might be problematic to them until you've actually explicitly cleared it. I mean, but now I'm 30, then I'm I'm 40, then I was 14. So, okay, not 40, but you know. Yeah, because yeah, i'm not see 40 public, yet you don't see, get can, you you're not in that club yet babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um the fact is we all make assumptions about people when we meet them and uh, sometimes i feel myself that i am making the assumption that this person is going to judge me for my weight when in actual fact this person is going oh my god did i leave the gas on you know or whatever that is okay and true I, i'm not saying that again the onus is on me or on us to fix this situation right but i do feel that it is something that something to keep in mind maybe that i'm able to do now and i may not able to may not able to do might not have been able to do when i was younger yeah yeah uh, and perhaps there is some value in in starting to think like that earlier you know hmm. um but yeah, so when it comes to my own experiences, I mean, I'm going to follow your um, lead and split this into family, friends, and boys. Ooh. <laughs> Shall we start with? Amaya is
0: following my lead? Not turn. This whole I'm podcast so glad. is your lead. I'm so glad this
1: is being recorded. This whole podcast is your lead. Could true be. that. True that. So with family, I mean I was always a fat kid, yeah? I I don't know how much is genetics, how much is brightiness, how much is what, which, where. I mean, <laughs> there was a whole year, I think, of my life when I was six, when I refused to eat anything except Puran Poli. Yum. So, like, I mean, And I went to the US for a month and I put on four kilos. Mind you, this is when I was eight years old. So four kilos was a significant amount of my actual body weight. And it was just greed. It still remains greed, but it's okay. It's more stuff as well. I hope you had it with ghee and milk. whole thing. No milk. Just ghee. Fine. Uh, So yeah, in my family, I was also the youngest one. And I come from a shockingly, annoyingly, obsessively intelligent family. So I'm the slow one, the stupid one in my family. No. In my extended family, I might add, not just like my nuclear family. I don't want to meet your family. Yeah. (laughs) So like, I mean, anyway, as a younger kid, generally you are always trying to catch up, right? Mm. Because I remember that they would be reading books that I was not able to read and then when I was reading those books, they were reading the next level. I'm like, but now I'm reading Dick Francis. Stop talking about Jeffrey Archer, you know, or whatever. So in that sense, there was that younger child stuff that was hanging on there. But I don't remember being given a really hard time about my weight as a child. As an adolescent, it started becoming a thing. But that's more, I guess, genuinely in my family, it really does come from a place of concern. Mm. Um, At least I've never been made to feel that it came from a place of anything except concern. It was not a question of someone saying that you have no value because you're fat. And stuff like that. It mm. was like, you know, you have to be thin, you have to be thin. Of course, I hated exercise because of, I mean, I've probably covered this previously, but let's mm. repeat ourselves. This is the last episode. <laughs> uh, it was largely to do with this stuff around. And when I moved, I was sweaty. I looked weird. People laughed at me. My thighs chafed. I felt weird. So I just sit in a corner, right? And mm. so a lot of unhealthiness around those relationships with moving and eating. Uh, but, it, you know, my parents used to steal f- like this fighting about French fries and paper dosa and stuff like that. You can't have it, you can't have it. And by the time I was, a, when I was a teenager, yeah, meals became so fraught that I didn't want to eat with them at the table. I just could not. Even now, sometimes when my dad asks me, how's your diet going? I, my response is to lash out. Mm-hmm. I've also taught myself not to lash out. I've come to a happy rule where I'm like, you are allowed to ask me once a week. Aww. So then he asked me the next time, like, sorry, ask me yesterday, you have to wait till Monday. So, <laughs> <That's> so <cute. laughs> But it's like a way to de-escalate on both sides, you know? Hmm. so my mother used to always steal food off my plate in my whole family like all my uncles and all also it became like this thing was stealing my french fries and I'd make such a racket
0: you bet yeah because
1: I felt that this was a very precious uh, restricted commodity that I was actually being allowed to consume right now and then you're know, taking away from my quota so it took me a really long time to get over that as well this idea that there won't be more tomorrow So God, you know but, anyway, even now, I swear my mother can't digest her food if she's eating with me and she doesn't eat out of my plate or drink out of my glass, though I usually get away with booze she doesn't drink, so <laughs> <laughs> So when it came to friends, I had friends. Um, actually, I didn't have friends. I had friends. I started making friends when I was, I want to say sixteen or seventeen years old. I didn't mm. really have friends before that. Um, and my really, really good friendship started in college and mm. after lucky not lucky I don't know but I'm lucky I have a lot of friends but the thing is I also feel like in school it was that same thing there was a little more of the social pressure of okay look at this fat girl like Mm. I wanted to be cool but I wasn't and then I would twist myself into knots to try and adapt like I was the best head banger and like my neck really hurt but yeah but all the boys were like cool but all I did was make me one of the boys so uh-huh. it didn't make me one of the girls and it didn't make me dateable and it mm-hmm. didn't make me any of that. And so I don't know that it was articulated as this is a fat girl. So she's a pariah, but it definitely made played a role, I think, in making me uncool. And I didn't help that by being a smart ass. Like, cause I'm like, I know everything. I know the answers. I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. <clears throat> uh, um, um. <laughs> <laughs> I need water. On the table, darling. Yeah, yeah. Which brings us, of course, to gent's look. Uh,
0: My notes, by the way, guys,
1: uh, say this. Ah, Which is a pretty good summary of my, uh, of the intersection of men and fatness in my life. So I could probably wrap up right here. But, (laughs) okay, she's giving me look. I have to give details. So men have been a complicated space for me. And I have talked about this in the past about many things, Right. Uh, the fatness, the, you know, like how I built a personality to cover up my insecurity. And then I became this person who is very confident. I come off as very confident, very independent, very, I don't need men. I don't need this, even now. But underneath that, I'm so desperately insecure that, like, I know there's a guy who likes me. I know it. And I'm like, oh, I haven't seen him in two weeks. I want to jump him when he walks in the door. But he walks in the door and I'll just be like, oh, hey and wave at him and wait for him to make the first move even though I know that this move is not going to be rejected it's like rejection is so deeply hardwired in me when it comes to men that I really struggle to overcome it and that I think is very much a part of fatness in that sense you know and so the way it's fucked my relationships I would say with men is of course this Uh, like I mean the first my first love told me I was only attractive to him when he was drunk that was Pleasant to hear. By the
0: way, can I get his address?
1: उसका हो गया पिटाई.
0: No, no, not by me.
1: You know, no, I, I have a very nice way of doing it. Who uh, very sweetly offered to throw him a blanket party, which I thought was Ooh. very nice. <laughs> uh, you know what, a blanket party is. Palaviv. Gumbel pitaai. हाँ, <laughs> right. Just check it. Good. Lord. No, you did your sexu. So I'm like, it's not sex, but okay. Kumbal patai can be called. by which I mean the ooh she does when she's thinking about sex or like double dirty things. Not that that's the noise she makes while having sex. No, I, I feel like I, I constantly find myself having to clarify the <laughs> fact that I don't actually. I'm not actually there when you when you have sex, Ameya. Really? I think you're gonna
0: have to like like edit this or something. But. Okay, people, Amea and I don't have any (laughs) (laughs) sexual (laughs) relationship. We are great friends. I love to hug her and cuddle her and all of those things. And we enjoy talking about stuff like that because we both (laughs) have dirty minds. But for once and for all,
1: (laughs) we are not wired that way. No, sadly. Okay, but back to boys. Uh, so, yeah, that was really hard for me to get over. It took a really long time. Uh, and my ex as well, I mean, no, he, he didn't, he was also fat. So it's not like it was a thing. But it was a thing on some level, not, I wouldn't say just him, but for a lot of men who were attracted to me, that I can look back now and see that probably what was holding them back was, this is not the kind of woman that your colleagues are going to be jealous of. So do you want to take her to an office party? For example, you know, and stuff like that. And again, credit to DX, he got over it quite fast. So, I mean, I don't think he was conscious of it. Like, this is the thing I've tried to say over and over again, this is not necessarily a conscious thing, Hmm. which is kind of nice because then it means that they're not trying to be mean to you, but it just shows how much deeper and more fucked up the problem is. I mean, say it with me, guys. Society is a dick. dick. (laughs) I mean, and when I was in school, boys who my friends would get teased so horrifically, like it was the worst insult you could hurl at a boy that Amea likes you and the humiliation Aww. they would run from and stuff. So, yeah, it, it was a thing. I, it was not articulated perhaps as clearly as I can see it articulated now, but that had probably a lot more to do with my not being aware than, hmm. than I am now. So when it comes to men, I don't know if the fat is a cause of problems. Or it's a defense mechanism as well. Because if I am fat, then that's why the boys don't like me. I don't have to like... What if I wake up and lose all my weight and they still don't like me? Then there's something wrong with me. You know, and that is something that I don't want to or have to deal with. So I still don't know. Eh? My therapist and I have discussed this. My therapists and I have discussed this. And <laughs> ain't got no answer for that. Oh, dear.
0: Well. So breaking it up into friends, family and uh, boys... Um, We start with, no, I will say boys, sorry. We start with friends because it was so messed up. When I was between five years to eight years old, I was in Abidjan, Ivory Coast, and the children used to tell me very clearly, you are too much of a patat, potato, for us to be friends with you. And their parents would love me and they would call me on playdates with their kids because they thought I was a good influence for the children. (laughs) But the children were very clear we do not want you. So I was never called twice. And it was rejection, you know. Then we moved to Lagos and I thought, oh my God, chance to do over. And I had this lovely friend when I was in fourth grade, so eight years old. And she was beautiful and she was fun and everything. And then this other girl came and joined uh, the same class. And suddenly she was no longer sitting with me. She was sitting with her. And for me, the association was I'm fat and She doesn't want me, you know. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the pattern of this making friends and that friend choosing somebody else over me happened like a few times over. So when I
1: finally reached, uh, so when when we came to India and I finally... No, I'm just having this realization here that... I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you a lot today. But I'm just having this realization here that... This happened to me all the time. Like I would have a close friend and then they would leave me for another friend. Right. And it made me paranoid about introducing my friends even at one point, which I got over. But like I'm now now I'm going back and questioning whether it's because I was fat.
0: Oh, God. Well, see, for me at that time, it was very clearly because I was fat, you know, but now I look back and I know, I mean, those guys are still friends today. So obviously there was a connection there, which they didn't have with me and which is chill. Now, but then it was like agonizing. So I stopped making friends. Like I stopped letting anyone in, you know. And when I did finally make a friend, when I was 15 years old, we'd just come to India. Oh my God, I would agree with everything she said. (laughs) And I liked everything she liked, you know, because how could I, like, non-confrontation was the safest way to keep a friend, you know. And I think I really only grew up into friendship when I got into college, but I'm going to come to that later. So this whole... Friend thing is a little messed up, Um, at least the past of it. Mm. And then when it comes to boys, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I had this big crush from when I was 11 to when I was 16. Okay, and uh, I finally gathered the courage to tell him that I had this crush on him when I was 14. And he said very clearly, he says, oh, I'm very flattered, but I like thinner girls. So clear. 14 year old okay and my 14 year old heart you know and um uh, he then went on to tell me who this girl was and i actually set them up okay
1: and then i've done that a thousand times (laughs) yeah it's a line in the sand for me now i'm like i'm really sorry but no (laughs)
0: um my first relationship my first boyfriend like i mean even though he was flaky the reason I didn't let go of him is because, you know, that coveted fat girl with a boyfriend tag, I mean, it was so, such a treasure. How could I let go of it? I've already spoken enough about my marriage and the I fat mean, phobia I honest,
1: There's times that I'm jealous of the fact that you had a boyfriend when you were a teenager, even though I know that it wasn't like a healthy relationship. And I'm like, Maya, can you be a better person sometimes?
0: <laughs> oh, <Aww>, sweetie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and. Um, as recently as a few years ago, there was this guy whom I was really interested in and I got interested in him because of all the interest he showed in me. And uh, after that, he zoned me saying, um, you're too fat a person for me to actually be in love, you know, to actually be sexually in bed with. I mean, everything else is fine, but I can't have sex with you. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, so again this whole rejection thing it's really ingrained and um when it comes to family (laughs) (laughs) like um my family has told me that they don't think they're the target audience for this podcast so they've listened to a little bit and they're like no you know um my mom hasn't said that like directly but she's not heard my podcast either you know my father anyway um, I've actually had the male members of my family, from my father to my grandparents to, uh, unc- great uh, grand uncles and aunts. Uh, I'm talking about the men right now. Say to me, we hate your body. Use the word hate you for your body. You will never find a man who will love you. We cannot imagine it happening. Forget marriage. Okay. And when I did start going around, those same buddha Buddhi who figured out, because I've always been very open, ki, oh, you know, maybe that was a way of compensating or mm-hmm. showing off or whatever. They would actually say, Pata nahi kya tumme? Par kuch dekh rahe I mean, you know, what do they see in you? But maybe there is something in you which we can't see. And there was this f- very difficult time in my marriage where my father actually said to me that you don't see in the mirror what he sees in you every day. And you should be grateful that he has married you, you know. So, I mean, when you get that sort of messaging, you know, yeah. from the people who are close to you and from people who, for a certain period of time, are your existence.
1: The people who are supposed to protect you from this Yes, kind
0: of thing. protect, support you. You know, all of those concepts of parenting, etc. that you read today, I really ask myself <laughs> where they were. Yeah, And frankly... I
1: really commend myself (laughs) for being who I am today. Dude, I commend you for having a relationship with any of them. But you know, I'm a little more pataka in those ways.
0: Well, anyway, so that's the whole thing about experiences. But there's some healing. So let's talk about that.
1: Always the healings. (laughs) This girl and her healing. I'm like, yeah, are you like some... Some cleric <laughs> No, but we grew up Dungeons nope. and Dragons reference. <laughs> oh
0: We'll be right back with more fat so
1: And we're back. Um, Healing for me, I can tell you how I healed in one word. Mm-hmm. Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I've healed with therapy. I have. I've healed with age. I've healed with having fewer fucks to give. I've healed because I had no other choice. I've healed by teaching myself to ignore the voices in my head. Or if not, if I can't ignore them to test what they're saying to see if it's true. And you know what happens when you do that? You find out it's not. And that's quite helpful in healing, (laughs) in giving you power. I've also healed, of course, because I have found wonderful friends, really supportive friends, friends who've never said lose weight. I mean, that same boy who told me I was only attractive when uh, he was drunk um, would also eat half the food on my plate when we went out for dinner because he's like, you shouldn't eat that much. Okay, fine, I'll eat it. And it was beautiful because then I didn't feel like I was wasting food. I didn't feel like... I had to take it away for lunch tomorrow, whatever it is. It was rich food. We were out, we got a lot at that time. So, you know, he just would eat half the food on my plate and I loved it because it was somebody else in my life who cared about making sure that I could do this, you know, in in a pleasant way, not in a you should eat less, don't order that way, which I thought was great because I got to eat my potato or gratin or whatever the hell it was. And I got to be happy about the fact that chaklia, khalia, but then I was eating less, and I've always felt that that was something I wish someone would do for me in life—not me. <sighs> That's okay. To <laughs> each their own. To each their own. Um, and then you know there are there there are friends who patiently walk slowly, like they they will slow down to walk with me. They mm. do their best to make sure I don't notice in how we move or whatever it is that they like try, try to keep pace with me. They try to. They hold back so that I don't feel left behind. And I love it. And they try to do it to hide it as much as they can. Of course, obviously I notice because I'm paranoid, observant <laughs> about this. But I love it. It makes me feel so yeah. loved and so wanted. Like friends who are like, who will, like my friend Rosalia, who would be like, no, that's a bad chair. We won't go to that restaurant. I do remember her from last episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, she was very excited. <laughs> so sweet. so and and you know there are friends who will rise to my defense when other people make fat jokes or who who'll fight my battles for me which is really beautiful who and there are people who've listened to this podcast and then literally called me and said if I've ever done that to you i'm sorry and i'm like oh Aw. it's great that they know better or my friend mina who now resolves that she's always going to like let the other person pick the table or keep an eye out to make sure there's multiple kinds of seating when she meets up with people because she's like, I'm small, I can fit, you know. And that's that's really sweet and really lovely and that's those adorable. are adorable. Very, very beautiful, you know. Um, and uh, I found strength in saying the F word, you know, <laughs> fat. Yeah. Uh in allowing myself to claim the hurt when people have hurt me instead of saying that no, of course you deserve it because you're fat. No. Of course people are gonna reject you because you're fat. It's your own fault for being such a fat so who couldn't bother to you know, lose weight or be have any self-control. Um, I've learned to be like, no, I'm hurt. I'm allowed to be hurt. This Absolutely. has nothing to do with that, right? Um, I've I've healed by establishing my worth in ways that have nothing to do with my weight, mm. which is more of a coping mechanism than a healing mechanism, but still. And of course, uh, Madam G and the podcast have been a huge healing and learning experience. I mean, one thing I've learned today is that relationships. I mean, for all that I spend so much time and energy. Um, analyzing, dissecting, observing, understanding intersections of different parts of my life and different things with different parts of my life. I have never before today thought about my relationships through the lens of fatness. So, Mm. I've thought about everything else through the lens of fatness, mind you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I can't even... uh, Anything I've thought about. Car seat, um, lunch, food, people's face, job likelihood... MBA admission, everything through the lens of that. But somehow I never thought about this. So that's been a really good and uh, important thing. Wow. You're going to make me cry. The last episode is <laughs> rolling. Tissue, i hai, going to
0: do it. Okay, okay. Don't do drama.
1: She's the one who's sitting there going, Hi, I'm a Um,
0: For me, it's been healing with changing my mindset.
1: Hmm.
0: and then the people in my life coming and validating that changed mindset, you know. So the first book I read was You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, really. Uh, And a few months after that, I met this friend of mine, this angel in my life, I swear, called Swati. And we joke about it because we hated each other for the first year that we met, really we did. But then we found something, you know, within each other. And what I absolutely love about her is how she is unconditionally supportive and unconditionally holds me accountable. So as long as I kept saying, you know, I want to lose weight, I want to lose weight, she would call me out on all the times when I wasn't, my action wasn't in tandem with what I was saying about losing weight, you know, and we'd have these arguments. I mean, we've had our own challenges about our relationship. We've just been stubborn about being together, you know. And she'd call me out. But the day, I still remember, I was so worried about discussing this with her. You know, that what if she doesn't agree with me? The day I told her, Swati, I've done all this research. This is what I found out. This is the way I'm going to take this forward. You know, this belief and the body positivity and all of that. She said, cool, let's go shopping. And, you know, to her credit, she's the one who took me for my first makeover. She's the one who dressed me for my wedding. She's the one who took me lingerie shopping. She's the one who, uh, even now, I mean, she's like one fourth my size and sporty as fuck. Okay. (laughs) um, We've done so much physical stuff together. You know, the walk that we did, the treks, etc. Oh, we are no. Oh, my God. I mean, like, sporty physical stuff. Good God.
1: I didn't say anything. <laughs> Abia, your face, okay, your face, your face, <laughs> and this girl will, she'll run up and she come back down for me. Yes, you know? I have these friends too who do that. They'll keep doing circuits and like to keep up with me.
0: Yeah and she'll always be there for me and she will tell me that you can do so much more with your body than even you know and she'll tell me to drown out the rubbish that other people tell me because some people will say oh ye siya aapke difficult hungi. and she's like please you do not know what she is capable of doing you know and she will walk in front of me and she will say hey just be careful over here and she's like okay so place your foot like this you know that little bit uh mentoring also, that bit little bit supportive also. She leave me, you know, when I need to be left. I mean, that support is just incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and you know, like it's funny, you just pointed this out, so it popped up in my head mm-hmm. that my friend Andrew, mm-hmm. the one whose wedding I'm finally going to, <laughs> Uh that I met in Spain, that he was like, You should box, and I'm like, I'm fat and I can't do all this for he's like, but Human body meant to move. You have a lot of rage. You should box. And y'all have heard me rave about how much I love boxing, yeah. right? And he was just like, just go do it. Yeah. And I just did.
0: And you know, this time when we went to Banaras together, her daughter, her 12-year-old daughter, who has grown up with me and who at some point did say to me, "Palavi Masi, why are you so fat? You know, and I just said, well, because I am, you know, the same story as you yeah. told me about your niece. This time, like she told her mother, she says, Mama, your lap is comfortable. But with Pallavi Masi, all of her is comfortable. And this girl just used all of me as a cushion in the (laughs) flight, in the hotel, in the satsang when she was leaning on me. And, you know, it was a celebration of my body for me with this little, you know, little stick just literally enjoying well, i mean i
1: don't know about your little stick but my little <laughs> stick is very pokey so yeah it's a celebration and, no. and, and pain like i don't know she has bones i don't know she has like poking bones everywhere no no body, this girl
0: child. is very cuddlable and very sweet and you know like she would say to me she says of course you can run up these stairs palavi masi come with me and i was like babe i probably can not run but i probably can get up them But I am going to be done for the rest of the day. And I have a boat to climb on. So, no. And I love that this girl is getting that exposure also of me in this body. And, you know, I will grab onto two boatmen's grubby hands to get onto the boat. Because I want to get onto the boat. And she's seeing that also. And she's seeing herself and her mom who are like little sprites, you know, jumping up on everything. So, that's one. Um, In 2009, I had this profound shift in personality. And uh, which I haven't even discussed with you, I know, but okay. Um, And I met these two women, Prabha and Radhika, who were friends with each other before they are friends with me. And I tell you, Ameya, I have learned about accepting people in general, unconditionally from them. You know, and it's beautiful because it's not like you have to engage with everybody. But you can accept everyone.
1: You know, there's a difference. And also this idea of even with the people you love or that you're really close to this idea that, you know, I want you to be the best you can be, but the best you think I can be is not necessarily the best I think I can be. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the point is to just accept that, hey, I think you should be a neurosurgeon. But you know what? You want to be an artist, be an artist.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I learned from them this term frumpy, dumpy, lumpy and we're like there are days when I call them and I say oh I'm just frumpy dumpy lumpy they're like cool with it because they're like oh I'm also frumpy dumpy lumpy you know so just that acceptance of all of your you know sloth if you will um, and the acceptance of the beautiful side of you you know that just it was fantastic for me the culmination of all the body positivity work that I've done and all of the loving myself I've done is meeting you really No, it is huge validation to meet you. Believe me, if you and I had met before 2014, we wouldn't have gotten each other. Huh. You know? So the fact that today I am a person who is not able to have a relationship with you or a friendship with you, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I'm not making myself smaller or bigger or anything of that sort. But the fact that you and I have this fierceness about us. We
1: do. And the thing is, we disagree about a lot of things. Yeah, we do. And It's okay.
0: It's okay. And we, we give ourselves that space of disagreement. I think that's a very big
1: part of who we are or yeah. why
0: we enjoy each other I mean, when so I do much. my
1: snarky, bitchy, snappy thing, and Pallavi will just go like, <laughs> <laughs> you will just keep telling me no. You will just keep telling me no. And then you do what I told you to only. Exactly. And I mean, what am I supposed to do in the face of that? I ask you guys. <laughs> no, but it's
0: fabulous. And you know, I know when to like stay away. I know when to just leave you to yourself and you'll come around and you'll be all, you make up to me so well.
1: (laughs) Guys, again, we do not have sex. God. The more,
0: listen, the more you deny it, the more
1: they will think we do. Methinks the lady doth protest too much. Yes. (laughs) And um, I think
0: the latest, like most validating experience has been the boys. (laughs) Um. And we spoke about this on the sex episode where I said I'm meeting lots of people and having fun and all of that. But I have to say that there is this one person whom I really have to talk about because he is changing my internal sort of environment to an extent because um, he's literally sweeping off my feet, sweeping me off my feet with the things that he's doing. I've always said that, you know, when you are with someone you love or who loves you. Maybe it's a big word, but I use it easily.
1: Love comes in all forms, Mm -hmm. shapes and sizes.
0: Yeah, but when you're with someone who genuinely cares for you, let's Mm -hmm. put it that way. Um, And I'm mindful that this is very, very early in our interaction. But when you are with someone who... Relationship. Okay. (laughs) When you are with someone who cares for you, you know it. You feel it. You don't yes. have to second guess it. Yes. You know, and that feeling trumps the actions. Yes. And that feeling trumps the words. Yes. Right? And with this person, there's feeling, there's action, there's words. And he is raising the bar for me because I have realized that I have gotten to a point where I expect so little out of other people. Yes. And I will do so much for someone at the blink of an eye. But I do not feel that I should ask for it. It's like looking in a mirror, guys. (laughs) And here he is doing all these things. And, you know, what is beautiful about it is that my initial reaction is to stonewall him or to say no or, you know, to say no. Because I'm terrified. I'm terrified of letting go of my comfort zone of zero expectations or low expectations and my comfort zone of, you know, if I don't have it, I won't lose it. Yep. Yeah. And here, because of all the work we've done and what we're talking about and the fact that I want to be authentic to what we're talking about in the podcast, you know, when those insecurities and fears come up, I look at them and I say, no, I'm going to choose to be open and I'm going to choose to be vulnerable and I'm going to choose to receive. And just that whole exercise that I've been going through in just the last few weeks. And, you know, now... I'm so wanting to give. And I am a giver, like naturally, but I can feel the difference in this giving because Mm. I'm giving from a space of having received and being full and therefore giving.
1: You're giving from a space of only giving, not from a space of I have to give to...
0: To keep this, to hold on. Exactly. And you know, sometimes I, like I'm talking about it today and I am a little worried that what if, you know, it is new, so... One shouldn't take anything for granted, so to speak, right? Um, I would love this to continue, of course. But God forbid it didn't. The thing is that I know this space now, you see? Yeah. I've I've stumbled upon it and I've understood this space. And now I know what I expect and what I want and how to recognize. It's, yeah, I think that whole thing about deserving or not has gone out of the window. And I have to say that I'm very proud of the boys today. And I will use the word boys because I've seen a clear distinction between... You, me, all ladies in 30s have seen. Men my (laughs) age and the younger ones. And the younger men, and I'm 40, so younger means like, I think 35 below, Hmm. honestly, are so much more vocal about what they like. They have no qualms talking about the fact that they like uh, fat women you know, and they're respectful about it and they're kind about it. And it's not, I mean, my experience is that they don't say it as a kink or as a fetish or anything of that sort. They don't make
1: you feel like they're saying it because they just, they, they want to fuck you because you are their kink. They love all of you. And that's just a part of it.
0: Yeah. So I'm just like really pleasantly surprised by this whole thing. And this is a beautiful healing experience.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. My problem is that I'm the opposite, mm. which is I'm like, tick, 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 give, everything's going to be amazing. I will. And then what, 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 what? All alone. All by myself. <laughs> and so on. Which is a beautiful segue into our de- demons. <laughs> I mean, my demon, I mean, I still really feel awkward going to nightclubs or to fancy parties or weddings because I still feel that my best day is far below the average. And people are all looking at me and thinking judgy things. What? What is she thinking wearing that dress? Oh my God, she's so fat. Who does she think she is? Does she think her cleavage is going to detract from the fact that she has those roles? I'm not a nice person, guys. I said this at the beginning of the podcast. But anyway, then I managed to dismiss that feeling and have a good time. But the feeling's still there. Every time a guy doesn't text me back, like this boy I'm seeing has been busy, involved with other things in his life. And, you know, it happens. It's been a while, so it's not like you get the immediate response, right? Every single time there's a little part of me that goes, it's because you're fat and he's going to leave. And I know this is completely not true, right? (laughs) And I don't react from that place. But it is, some days it's just painful to... Just like some days the voice is loud, some days it takes a lot, a lot of energy that I may not have Mm. to close the door on the voice. Every time I feel even slightly out of place somewhere and the voice tells me because people are laughing at you. People are mocking you because you're fat. And then eventually the fact that I'm fat means I'll never be chosen as anything. As friend, bridesmaid, lover, partner, um, colleague, employee of the month, uh, podcast queen, whatever, right? (laughs) and then i'll never be anyone's number one even though i know rationally that number one is not a thing uh and then i will be alone forever
0: oh my love well okay now that's made me feel a little um but anyways so i have not gone back to believing that there is a one person forever okay I don't think there's a one person yeah. forever. It's just what I'm trying to say over here is that this has helped me understand that even when there is someone else, what is the level of...
1: Um... Uh, no, no, I didn't mean that at all. Yeah. I okay. just meant that being somebody's number one, being the most important person in someone's life.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, demons for me, uh, I it's always the same that what if I fall sick and all of these wonderful friends, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, turn around I mean I have very little hope from my family I'm pretty sure Maybe they will be I there I will also
1: be like we had this conversation we will both be lying in the extra large beds in the same room with one nurse
0: don't uh, no I hope not but <laughs> anyways uh, uh, you know I have this whole thing of they'll turn around and say well it's all your fault and deal with this alone so I'm scared of being lonely when I need people the most and you know what happens then to this sense of agency and all that there are still times when I go for an interview or for a client meeting and I'm like, oh my God, what if they reject me because I'm fat? But mm-hmm. then I think what is important is that we see these demons for what they are. You know, Amir, with the amount of conditioning and the amount of rejection that we're talking about, you know, and how ingrained it is and how it happened when we were at a very crucial our building blocks of life have been rejection. And a wrongness in us. yeah. So I don't think any of this is going to go away completely yeah. forever. No, I it's don't think so. It's about
1: recognizing them.
0: I think it's about being aware exactly of that voice. And saying, ah, you again?
1: Come, have some chai. Keep correct. Get, get it out of your system.
0: Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> you know? And that's something I've actually learned about emotions. You know? About, um, you know, when you feel happiness. Say, come in, have some chai. And when you f- see sadness or anger, you also say, "Come and have some chat." Yeah,
1: you have to express your emotions. That's you know? definitely, definitely true. Yeah. And at this point, I could go off into a very long tangent on emotional expressions, but <laughs> we're uh, we're so anyways, shit out of time, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but the whole thing is, I think, seeing all of this stuff that comes up when you meet a new person, recognizing it for what it is, and making that choice.
1: So, for me, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Well, I mean, I want to just wrap up here. Um, off script, sorry, babe. Uh, I want to just wrap up here because uh, I just feel like what's interesting is both of us, our biggest fear is that we will be alone. And we have each other. <laughs> well, no. yeah, I mean, yes, but that's not where I was going. Uh, I also think that to me, it's very representative of the f- one thing that I have really learned through this whole season one, uh, which is that we are all at the end of the day pretty much fighting the same demons true we have the same voices telling us the same things and it's amazing how that big society (laughs) has conditioned (laughs) us into thinking we're all different and we're all against each other I am very tempted at this point to draw parallel with uh, certain political things but let's use the British it's like the divide and rule that the Mm. British used and Some other people uh, have used uh, after the British left in different parts of the world.
0: (laughs) And with that note, this is very controlled for (laughs) me.
1: I'm so proud. (laughs) Oh, I'm very proud of Pallavi. I'd also like everyone to know that she did this without printing out her notes. Mm -hmm. Woo! Let's hope she remembers when we come back in uh, the end of this year. Guys, thank you so much for listening to us, for talking about us, talking to us, sharing, interacting, all the things that you've done. i bitched more about social a lot, but I'm glad we do it. Uh, it's been a wonderful journey for us. And uh, don't worry, just because the podcast stops doesn't mean the videos will stop because the Hitler over there is uh, in charge of those. <laughs> I refuse <laughs> to be called um, that. And we've got the blog up and going too, so there will be <laughs> stuff putting, put, we're putting out there. Uh, And Instagram will, of course, always and forever be our baby. (laughs) So just in case you don't know this, uh, or you haven't got around to it yet, please... Follow us at Fatso Podcast F-A-T-S-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and Gmail. Uh, well, in Gmail it will be fatsopodcast at gmail.com Our Medium blog is medium.com slash fat hyphen so Follow, listen, read, write to us. We're here. We have things planned. We're thinking of doing a meetup. Mm-hmm. So, seriously, get on our social so that you know when and where and how this meetup's going to happen. Uh, and um, it is with uh, great joy and a little sorrow, I say. Goodbye, season one.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, not really goodbye. <laughs> and season um one. Not really goodbye because it's going to continue. That's the thing about the podcast. Season one
1: is not going to continue, Palavi. Okay, I'm in season de- one is over.
0: I'm in denial, people. <laughs> but... <laughs> keep listening send us your questions we'll keep doing the videos Amea has said it all lots of love and hugs from me because that's what i do she does. <laughs> and all right. bye Thank you so much to Amea and Palavi for letting us share their podcast. You can follow them at Fatso Podcast on Insta and subscribe to their newsletter. See you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?